Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. My name is Ono Sullivan and today on the show it's a live recording from It Takes a Village Festival which ran at Trebolgan in East Cork from Friday May 10 to Sunday May 12th. It's kind of the first music festival of the season and so I held a podcast recording in Sally O'Hara's pub on the site that was on Saturday afternoon and I had three great guests Greg Dowling from Fish Go Deep, Elio Byrne, a freelance journalist who covers a lot about the arts in Cork and Lisa O'Flynn who is working at the festival. She's a DJ in town and she also works in Plugged as well. So those are the three guests and the theme was kind of the state of Cork and Cork music in 2019. Just how healthy is the city? What would we like to see change in the city regarding music and arts? And what are the issues facing musicians and creative people in the city? And yes, we do talk about the event centre, the I would say elephant in the room, but it's kind of the lack of an elephant in the room that's the problem at the moment. Um, I really enjoyed doing the uh, interview, thanks to anybody who came and had a listen. Just so you know, the sound on the recording isn't the greatest that you're going to hear, but I thought I'd put it up anyway because you might be interested in some of the things that we talk about. I thought it was a really interesting uh, conversation and it was a really really great weekend. It was the second annual It Takes a Village Festival a month later than the inaugural one in 2018. That took place in April. This one was in May and uh, it's just it's just a kind of a mad place to be. It's in Trebolgan which is like this holiday village so you've got something like oh, over 150 chalets on site so everybody had their own gaff, everybody retired to their own bed at night or maybe someone else's bed huh no no so uh on friday i got down i got to see some really good uh chewins from a lot of great people i thought shaker him had a really really nice set i love their new kind of acoustic sound i thought amac was probably one of the top two acts that i saw that weekend we've had uh, Eve on the show before and I just think she's amazing her vision for what that band is and is going to be is just it's just there she's great and uh, looking forward to seeing them live again I think it was a slightly stripped back set that they did it was only a three piece I think usually they're a five piece live um, so look instantly looking forward to seeing them again uh, Le Boom were of course amazing uh, live they're just they're just so good they're they're playing the olympia later in the year it'll show you like i think that they are kind of emblematic of the changes in irish music over the past uh decade the fact that they've only released one or two songs but it's their incendiary live show that uh just gets people uh revving gets people reared up to go on saturday i had to uh be somewhere it was my nephew's communion so i missed a lot of the stuff up until my podcast recording and then I had to collect oh Giles Peterson from the airport so um uh he was headlining that night only a two-hour set he could probably play a five-hour set and you still would be as enthralled as you are at the beginning I thought he was really really uh good L was great too a techno DJ uh, from Cork, currently based in Berlin. She was great. And it was just really, really nice vibes across 
the weekend. I was disappointed I didn't get to see James Holden. I heard really good things about him. And then on Sunday, it was just, again, the weather was shining. It was just a lovely, relaxed atmosphere around. People were just uh, strolling in, checking out everything that was happening. Um, Just a really well-curated festival I thought Lisa O'Neill was great. Probably one of the funniest moments of the weekend was Lisa O'Neill finishing uh, with a track called Blue Moon or Blue Moon Rising, which I didn't realise until a Liverpool man came over to me and he was just like, I can't believe she's finishing with this. And then it struck me, Blue Moon, Manchester City, they had just won the title, pipping Liverpool by a point. So I did quite enjoy that. I laughed through the rest of that song, which probably wasn't the intention. Uh, ships that night in Cotters uh, probably were the best that I've seen them live. They just got the crowd going. It was kind of a theme of the weekend. It seemed like people kind of came to the acts slightly late, but then it just kind of gave it added impetus. Impetus. So everybody was happy. Kojak played kind of his first headlining festival slot, I'm going to say. Uh, that night, it was the end of a UK tour for him as well there was a boat party there was a gay future there was gay future kind of a club in the arcade that went on for hours and hours and hours it was uh it was pretty mental um and junior brother played in number 25 shout out to ray wingnut and the schoob in number 25 all weekend holding it down that was great uh i ended up my night ended there with a kojak and soft boys um dj set which uh kind of went off there was a dance off uh but earlier in the day i saw junior brother right up front two weeks out from his album release and he is just so amazing so great i really really love what he's doing i think he's going to be very special hungover at mass is just it's it's becoming a bit of an anthem so that was uh, that's just a taster of what my weekend was like i hope you had fun if you were there and if you came to the podcast thanks a mill this is what it sounded like this is myself talking to the three guys who i'm going to let introduce themselves now i'm uh, greg dowling i'm a dj and one half of fish go deep i've been i suppose djing for nearly 30 odd years in cork and producing music for about 25 hi uh, my name is lisa o'flynn um i'm also a dj and haven't been doing it quite as long um and i also work in one of the venues in the city center plugged and I'm Ellie O'Byrne, and I'm not a DJ. <laughs> um, I'm a freelance journalist. Uh, mostly I write uh, art, a lot of arts and culture for the Irish Examiner, human interest stories for the Evening Echo, cover a broad range of things, really, but uh, a lot of interest in multidisciplinary arts. Cool. And, um, yeah, so this is uh, called The Point of Everything. It's a podcast which you can uh, get at the regular things. And we'll get straight into um, the chat. Uh, Greg, how does it feel to be in Trevolgan? Like someone who's been in Cork making music in venues all around uh, the city and county for 30 years. Like, is it mad seeing Trevolgan like it is this weekend? To be honest, it's actually not. Because uh, Joe Kelly, I think, has been kind of banging on about this since about '96. And I knew eventually he'd get it together, you know, and himself and Ed would take a chance and do something crazy like this. So, I mean, it's not a surprise because I know Joe would have that kind of thing. He just, we're going to do it. I've got this mad idea. Let's do it. Were you down last weekend? 
Or last year, sorry? Yes, I was here. We played here last year. Yeah. yeah. How did it live up to expectations? Was it like everything I, that you... I think it was, you know what it was like? It was a feeling of like it was a big, you were at a big house party and everybody was here for the same reason. They wanted to meet other people, have some fun, listen to great music and kind of interact with one another outside their normal lives. Like a really cool festival. Like. Yeah. Actually, the size was great, you know? You're yeah. kind of I think that this is the thing that people think about, uh, well what Cork people think about themselves. They do things a little bit different. I mean, would you agree with that, Ali, that this is just kind of like an extension of what Cork uh, is kind of all about? It's like, that shouldn't work, should it? Let's try it and find out. Yeah, I think you see that a lot. I think you th see that across, not only in arts, but also just in general life. I mean, there's just a, a huge range of people out there doing really, taking really unusual creative approaches to things. It's one of the reasons why it's a really good city to live and work in. And um, like Cork is on the cusp of like great changes uh, at the moment. Um, at the end of the month, the city boundary is going to be expanding, like taking in vast swathes of uh, the county around it. Um, and also, like the Irish Examiner released a supplement called Cork on the Rise at the end of uh, April. Ellie, you contributed uh, some things to that. So, like just walking through the city, you can see that it is. Uh, a changing city at the moment and Lisa for someone who like works in the city centre on a daily basis like how how do you feel about this idea of like Cork is changing and like literally getting higher are you kind of I, I don't know if Cork people kind of fall into this uh you know hole of reminiscing or something like that but do you kind of feel like oh it's it's too much change all at once um no. <laughs> um, well, I, I wouldn't say it's too much at once because change is good. Um, and I think Cork needs some level of change. Um, whether it's actually going in the right direction or not, I'm not sure. Um, in terms of the city itself expanding, um, I don't know if that's just going to... It'll change the city centre itself, and that'll change a lot about the music scene and how gigs are run. Um, if it just keeps expanding out and out, like the city centre itself is going to be a vastly different place. Um, and I, I'm just not sure if that's entirely a great thing. Can I jump in on that? <laughs> I suppose first just to stress that I'm freelance and I'm not representing any particular opinion other than my own. Having covered a lot of stuff to do with the boundary extension and, and uh, being very concerned at the corporate takeover of our city centre, I really do fear for Cork's art spaces and, and most importantly the community spaces that we're going to have in future. Spaces that people can access for free with no money. I, uh, looking at San Francisco, who, where they now have 80,000 homeless people, um, human excrement on the streets is a really big problem. I'm feeding back exactly on that point. And the reason why is because there's nowhere you can go without having to pay just to use a toilet. And I really fear, I mean, even if you look at the language around we have a CEO instead of, uh, you know, in, you know the, the language has become very corporate and we're pushing our culture in a free market capitalist direction to the absolute max and I do really have big fears personally not professionally I write away and I do you know do what I can but I would have massive fears about that for the future uh, do you think that that stems from one thing is it just kind of like this this corporate creep that's been happening is there like one moment that you can point on I mean 
I, I think a lot of people in the arts would have said Cork was kind of thriving uh, culturally during the recession. I mean, is it just, uh, we, we've been to the Nindir and uh, the arts kind of thrive. Now that we're coming out of it, it's just kind of like this, uh, this kind of double dip or something like I that. I spoke to Aideen Quirk before they bulldoze sample studios into the ground in the city centre. Um, uh, recently, I was talking to uh, Mad About Cork, you know, who, who go around and they do the, they decorate uh, boxes and they plant and they do all these kind of really beautiful things in the city centre. And they lost their space because it was sold. And now it's gone back to dereliction. They were running it as a community garden. And now it's just run back into the ground again. So I, I think that there's been several decisions. There's a lot around the event centre in particular that's, that's a really big concern. Maybe we can get to that. And sorry to go so heavy with all this stuff. But I just do really think for the arts community, because artists come in, artists and musicians and all of these people, they need, to, they need spaces to practice in. They need spaces to get good at their craft. In, and they need that space to be free. We all need that space to be free, or else we're not supporting the next generation as they come along, you know? Uh, is, th is that something that was there, like, all, all the years ago, Greg? Is it, like, just, you, you had all these spaces There was definitely, before? there was more spaces available for people, and maybe when there was less money around, those spaces were just left off to their own, own devices, and you could kind of, you could just get on with it. But now, I mean, I would totally agree. It's, like, I mean, you'd be really worried, like, your, your center city's just going to become a big glass box. You know, they're just all they're doing is building things, and they're talking about growth all the time, and all those things. And I, I'm not sure that's the that's the place I want my city to go to. I mean, I really I'm not from Cork. I'm originally from Dublin, and I've always loved this kind of free spirited kind of left of centre vibe when I moved to Cork first. And I'm worried that that's going to just disappear, and you're going to end up with this just corporate growth. I mean, all we hear from our government from all over the country is like growth, you know. They're like, it's been run like a corporation and not for people, you know. And when you've a really, I think when you've a really vibrant arts community, it makes for a much better place for everybody to live, you know. Yeah, and um, these uh, groups that are working on the ground, Delhi, like they're kind of doing it out of their own uh, pocket, really, aren't they? Like, I mean, they're not doing it uh, like for the council, a lot of them. Yeah, well, I mean, I've had that beef a little bit with Mad About Cork where I say you're, you're part of the gentrification process, you know, and I put that to Kevin all the time. I make him answer that question because, you know, I mean, they're not solving the dereliction. They're painting on the boards that are surrounding the dereliction. And, of course, Cork City Council is very happy to pay for some paint <laughs> to cover the dereliction. So in, in that sense, uh, you can see that all artists, like all artists are, are guilty of supporting the gentrification because of how beautiful and creative they make things. And then they get forced out. That's the pattern. That's, we've seen it happen so many times, you know? So, yeah. Um, and venue-wise, uh, Lisa, I mean, working for Plugged, I always feel that Plugged is just one of those things that uh, encapsulates what Cork is about. It's like, it used to be on Washington Street, and then it closed down, and everybody feared for it, and oh, suddenly it's in uh, Tobin Street in the Triscoll Christchurch, and then that closed down, and everybody feared for it, and then it's back up again. And it's kind of uh, this kind of cycle that it's been in. Um, and it's never really changed its remit. It's, al it's always been about like supporting the very like local small uh, musicians. I mean, have you ever had a discussion amongst like plugged the idea of like, you know, we need to make it bigger or something like that? Has it always been about kind of supporting like the, gr the ground floor? Um, yeah, well, firstly, I haven't been working there that long, but I kind of since I moved to Cork like 11 years ago, um, I've always supported what Jimmy does in Plugged and I like stand by the whole thing of like, 
giving everybody a chance. Um, they may be bands that nobody's heard of, but like they need that stage as well. Um, and that's why I wanted to work with Jimmy. Um, it's giving that space to people who otherwise just wouldn't have the chance. And like the bigger venues, they just don't want to put them on because they won't sell tickets. And that's how it's viewed. It's like it's it's all about money and like ticket sales. Um, of course, we want to make money like with ticket sales as well. But that's that's not our main aim. It's just it's providing that space for people, but also creating this, I, what I deem is like this really good vibe in the city. And it's one of those places that I've always viewed, you may not have heard the band, but you're just gonna take the risk. There's a, you know, there's a high chance that the band are really good. Taking it on, like maybe just a step, the crowd's situation in Cork seems to be something that you would expect would have gotten easier with the internet. Everybody just presumed that like, once you can see uh, you know, every event that's going on. You'll have a crowd for everything. I feel like it's almost gone the other way. It's so difficult to get a crowd in Cork. I mean, you're like literally on the ground like four or five nights a week putting on gigs. Do, do you find it a struggle? Like, like where are the people? Yeah, um, I find it a real struggle actually um, because, well, there's a saturation with the online presence. So like every single venue is doing the same thing. You know, you're, you've got your event page on Facebook and you're doing your fucking Instagram posts and all this stuff. But there's so much of it in people's faces that it just gets lost. It just gets lost in the sea of all these notifications. Um, so the kind of social media presence or that side of it just doesn't help venues at all anymore, in my opinion. Um, and that's like one of my main jobs with Plugged is to try and like get it out there online and visible and in the paper and like People's Republic of Cork and like looking at every single avenue and as every single, we have a like a weekly meeting and it's like, what else can we do? Like what, what is, what, what can we do that nobody else is doing? And it's so hard to come up with those ideas because I think we just like exhausted every possible avenue. Like there's not, I don't think there's more to be done to try and like plug the gigs and, and get people in. Um, and like as a venue that's like quite small and it's running four or five gigs a week, like there's a lot there to offer and trying to get people in the door is really, really hard. And uh, what about Fish Go Deep? Greg, how have the crowds changed for you over the years? And like, how does, how is like, not the drawing ability, but like, uh, that's a, uh, well, I've seen kind of uh, loads and loads of different generations go through us. And, you know, you get uh, stages like where it's what people would say the older crowd, you know, who would be in their kind of, you know, 40s or 35 plus. And uh, that, that just keeps changing. So I think we're, we're in a kind of an unusual situation where we're kind of, not legacy is the wrong word, but people we have been coming to us for many, many years. So like, we're, we're quite unique. The crowd changes all the time, but I think because we've kind of stuck to what we do, we've got an unusual bunch uh, who come to us all the time. You know, so you've got the kind of people from back, like when they were 50, you know, they're 50, some of them, and then you've got the young crowd that are 21, 22. So uh, we've kind of, I don't know how to explain it, but like there are times, okay, when you kind of, it falls down a little bit, there aren't as many people come to us, but it's constantly changing and evolving, and yet at the same time staying the same. There's kind of this group of people who like, we're like a weird cult, I think, at this stage. <laughs> and any thoughts on the actual core crowd itself? Like, as someone who's played like all over the place, is there any uh, differences? Any good, good, bad, or ugly stuff about core crowds themselves? No, core crowds are amazing. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I mean, without a doubt, I mean, it's, it's my favorite place to play because we've been playing here for so so many years, and it's um, 
it's really unusual. Like we, we created a sound that nobody else had, like in the kind of late 80s, early 90s. The house music we were playing, nobody else was playing. You know, and it was deep and it was weird and it was interesting and it stayed that way, you know? And like, it's kind of like Keep Cork weird. They went for a different thing. And, you know, bearing in mind back then, like in the early days, like we were, there was no other way to get the music. You had to go to the club. You couldn't get it online, you couldn't think. And you had your, their full attention. You know, you couldn't Shazam it, you couldn't do anything. So that kind of stayed with us. And there, I mean, there was people that the last time we played in, uh, in Dali and Cork, there was people who were there right at the start. I can still see them, and they still come along to us. So there's this weird legacy runs through. And they, we had the mixtape thing, and that would be passed down to the brothers and the sisters, and went down the line. And every, they knew, like even the young crowd would know our old tracks, which is all a bit, it's a bit strange. It's not, it's not the usual thing in, in the kind of clubbing world. You know? And it was unique, and it still is unique. And so continuing on a similar vein, um, we'll move on to the idea of uh, venues and stuff. So Greg Fish Go Deep is playing Dali tonight, so we'll be diplomatic about that. Lisa works in plugs, we'll be <laughs> diplomatic about that. But it seems like Cork, you know, it, it just kind of goes through uh, peaks and troughs. It seems like you'd be quite positive about the venue situation at the moment in Cork. Uh, Cypress Avenue has just reopened, and I think it's instantly one of the best venues in the country. Yeah. I, I would totally agree. And you, you have, you, like Cypress have put in a lot of money into the PA, they've done the room properly. It's got a world-class feeling to it. And it's now like, you know, a 600 capacity venue, which we badly need. Dali again, they've spent a lot of money. It's like right up, to the, right up to the spec of what you would expect in any international club. So those two venues alone, then you've got St. Luke's, you know, the lads are doing their thing there. They've got good sound systems. So I, to me, the venues are probably in a healthier space than they've ever been. Now, I would say, and I've always felt that you'd need that, and I'd say promoters would like it too, like the 180, 200 capacity venue, where you could bring in the kind of the band and bring them through as they're coming up, you know, and then eventually you could transfer them to a bigger venue. And likewise with a DJ, you could do kind of a little bit more off-kilter stuff. That would be maybe the one thing. I've talked to a few people in bands, and they said that would be great. You know, it's somewhere to learn. Is that the main thing, Ellie, that you, you would agree with, that just needs kind of a 150, 200 capacity venue? Is, well, is there, I, I do think that it's really interesting that everybody you talk to who, who, you know, who works in the, in the business in various different ways, they point out the need for smaller venues. They're not pointing to the event centre, where one of my friends amazingly said, we're going to go in and pay 60 quid to watch Bruce Springsteen die on stage. You know, <laughs> that there's, that there, you know, Live Nation are going to come in and, mar and, and, and manage that. And it's going to be this, you know, kind of big corporate package. Everybody needs their night out however many times a year. But everybody you talk to on the ground I, is talking At, at about that Music Core conference, that's what was the big thing. Yeah. All the big promoters, right, from the guys from Live Nation all the way down to kind of, you know, the MCD, all the promoters, all they wanted were the, what do they call them, the, the toilet venues, you know, the places where Adele started, you know, the tiny venues in London, that, which are all disappearing. It's the same all over the world, you know. So n nobody wants the Cork Event Centre? <laughs> uh, well, it'd be great, yeah. yeah. Well, Will it ever happen? What do you think, Lisa? What are your thoughts on the, on the actual event centre itself? Is that what Cork needs? I mean, that's the one that's kind of getting the most talk. Um, yeah, well, initially when, you know, the, you know, the proposals were put in the paper and it was, Cork was being made aware that this was going to be happening, I can't remember what the capacity or suggested capacity of the venue is actually going to be. It's like 6,000. 6,000. Like, okay, Cork need, like, yes, Cork does need something that big, but <laughs> I... 
I just don't agree with the way it's being done now. Um, I mean, like all they're focusing on at the moment is the apartments and getting like the student accommodation up, and like that's com been completely forgotten about, and that's been worked on and kind of sitting idle for the last two years. Nothing has been done. Um, I don't know if Cork will benefit from a venue that size. I mean, you have like the Parky Cueve. Is that the name of it? <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry, I am from Cork. Um, <laughs> That's an easy mistake to make. Croke Park, Parky Cueve. Really easy to mistake the Thanks, two of them. Thanks, <laughs> um, I, yeah, I just like... Cork need, I think Cork needs smaller venues a lot more than it needs something five or six thousand capacity. I, I, I would say that the, like the, the event centre would benefit Cork greatly, it would benefit the businesses and all that. And you wouldn't have to spend 150 euros just going to Dublin to see the bigger bands. And you know, I think you've got to remember that it would be Munster, you know, it would be Kerry and Waterford and all sorts of people would be coming into the city. So it would definitely, if the event centre actually went ahead and there was decent gigs on, it would bring a lot of cash flow into the city for restaurants and bars and all that kind of thing. Um, Ellie, Ellie, what are the other issues that are kind of on the ground, like amongst the community centres? Is it just kind of the spaces that people are clamouring for? Are there other um, uh, issues that you see kind of coming to the fore, the groups that you talk to? No, I, I do think space is, is the big one because, you know, uh, like housing crisis affects artists you know everything to do with with the with the the, prop, the value of land affects artists as much as it affects everybody else and i do think that is really the big one that we're seeing at the moment i mean i think uh, cork community art link was very very lucky to get given the beautiful lido building there in in uh, blackpool which is kind of very close to the city center so they that's worked out really well for them but i would really really love to see much heavier investment in making sure there are spaces that are for every different type of artist, you know, be that uh, rehearsal spaces for musicians, uh, be that artist studios and stuff, built into this plan from the outset, you know, this, this Ireland 2040 thing. It, you know, we're building a huge amount of offices at the moment. We're not building a huge amount of housing and we're not building a huge amount of, of public, freely available space for people to get creative in with very limited amount of pressure, you know. I mean, I remember being in Berlin a few years ago and really noticing, and somebody telling me that um, in, the, uh, in the east of the city, the land prices had just not caught up since the wall came down. And that's why you arrive there and you're like electrified by the culture there because everyone is able to do their stuff really, really cheap. And, you know, I would love to be living in a city that's doing that yeah. for its arts community and for everybody because everybody benefits. Um, Lisa, like, do you enjoy being part of the community? Does it actually still feel like a community? Or does it feel like it is kind of like uh, dividing a little bit? Kind of like I'd be worried about like the idea of a donut development, the thing that's happened with Limerick, where the city centre has really suffered, where as you know, because all of the developments are happening on the outskirts. So that's one thing that I'd be slightly concerned might happen to Cork in the future. But uh, as someone living in the city centre, have you, have you actually seen that happening? The people are kind of moving out and not coming in at night or not, uh, you know, they're happy in their, in their own world sort of thing. Um, yeah, I actually, yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, I kind of living in city centre, I'm in the city centre every single day and uh, day or night, it's just, it's dead. 
there's nothing happening. There's no one around. And everyone's like, all the retailers and publicans are like scratching their heads going like, what can we do? What can we do? And I don't think they're the people that should be answering those questions. Um, it, all of the independent businesses are being choked. There's businesses just closing left, right and centre in the city. And I can't see any progress being made. It just seems to be getting worse and worse in my eyes and just like being there all the time. And I've been there for 11 years and I've seen just... I suppose in the last year, year and a half, there's been a significant change in the city centre. Um, I just can't, I can't see that going in a, in a positive direction either. If you look, the ludicrous situation, we have all these uh, premises in town and there's nobody living above them. If you were in any other city like Amsterdam or Berlin or anywhere, you look up over the shops and there'd be people living there and they're not allowed, you know, under kind of some kind of stuff with the fire officer and that, and that which seems crazy. And if there aren't people living physically in the centre of your city, it's going to die at night time, and it's left then other people take over the streets, which isn't good for us. Like. Yeah. Um, Business-wise, I mean, you do uh, so much uh, great stuff on the ground, Ellie. It, like, are businesses, like, just dying out? Are they just moving online? And, like, do you see that, like, it still seems like it's okay at the moment, but in five years, are you going to be like, I told you, I told you. <laughs> I, how much time do we have, really? Like in fairness, you know. I mean, I don't know. I was recently at a living above the the shop uh, conference held by Cork City Council, yeah. which I really didn't have to do, by the way, because I got like two lines out of it for an article. It was way, way, way too stringent of me to be going off and doing that. I spent a whole day at this thing, and it was really interesting. But uh, you know, I mean, I think in general, yeah, we're we're seeing a move of people back into the city centre. I don't think whether or not people are going to live in the city centre necessarily directly impacts the number of people who are going to go out. I teach on a, uh, I teach a module called Writing for Arts and Culture, which you've been a guest on, actually, Owen. And um, I, when I talk to my students when they come in, so they're first years, and I say to them, have you ever been to a gig? And, like, you guys would be shocked. Most of them have never been to a single live music event in the city, except all of them have been to a Corona's gig. That's the one thing that everybody has been to, is a Corona's gig. And when I ask them why, they say they don't even know. It's like some kind of magic. It's amazing. It's just like a Corona's gig. Maybe they think they're going to get the shift. I think that's what it is. But they don't go out. And they don't go out because you're not only competing in, ter you know, in terms of if you see music as part of entertainment, you're competing against Netflix. You're competing against Spotify. You're competing against... And, and another thing that I really see with my students is they can't afford the price of a pint. They do pre-drinking before they go out if they do go out. And they knock back vodka at home because they can't afford to go to bars. Yeah, I think any venue owner will, will tell you that. Like yeah. when they arrive in, you get the door price and then... Uh -uh. Nothing else, because they've no they're money. Not, they're, they're not able to afford it, are they? Uh, like, sticking with the idea of clubbing, Greg, um, and maybe following on from that point, uh, there's been a lot of talk about the It Takes a Night campaign. It's a campaign led by a couple of DJs, mostly in uh, Dublin, just about extending opening hours uh, around Ireland. Um, Cork's opening hours are until about 3 a.m. or something. No, like they're half two. It's half three o'clock in Dublin. It's half two in Cork. Yeah. Now, uh, nobody can tell me why or what that's all about. I think like th th this all boils down to this whole thing of, you know, you have to pay 400 quid every time you open your venue if you want to open late. So that's before you start. It's like, hello? That's a lot of money. That's a lot of people in the door. So they're taxing that business uh, straight away. And I don't know. I don't know what the story is. It's such an old law, and it's just ridiculous. So, but you wouldn't have half the problems on your streets. Everybody would come out at different times. Remember, they tried it at one stage. I think it went till three or half three. There wasn't a bother. 
Everybody just drifts away. I think there's this image that we're all going to be in the clubs till nine in the morning, drinking our heads off. That's not what's going to happen at all. I I was on a stag in Ennis at the start of February, and so it was kind of like two clubs in one. So there was like a a normal club that ended at two o'clock, and then connected to that, it was like an over 25s club that, and it was part of a hotel, and it kept going until like after 4 a.m. I was like, I can't do this. I can't do it. So maybe we all just need hotel licenses because they're the ones that are able to uh, go go late. Maybe we just need to find. We, a I home. think we just need a bit of common sense. It's just it's kind of ridiculous. You know, we're supposed to be these good Europeans, so you can go to any other city in Europe and dance and go out when you want. And it's maybe everything would happen in a slower, different pace rather than everything have to go so quick. It's closing. It's closing. It's closing. You know. Are, are these like prohibitive rules, Lisa, that y- you think if some of them were lifted or some of them were eased or if some of them were made cheaper, like you could do something like not completely different, but maybe uh, just that little bit better quality crowd wise and everything audience wise? Um, yeah, well, like, look, if there was more leniency, then yeah, like immediately you have more freedom in what you can do um, in terms of it was extending everything even by half an hour and you know making the same as Dublin and it's three o'clock there is that like just going back to what Greg said there's like less of that rush at the bar and like everyone's getting fucked up really early and then falling onto the street at the same time and it's just a disaster you extend that and people will take their time and it'll take their pace people will probably spend more money in my eyes like instead of you know they're like you know they're drinking so fast in quick succession that they're hammered after four pints because they've downed them all in an hour and then they're out the door at two o'clock um so if it's extended and something's open till three four it'd be amazing um i think people would change their attitude to how like how they're approaching going out as well um and it would give more kind of it would open up the nightclub scene a lot more in Cork in particular, um, you would have, if the spaces were available, um, you would have more options for nightclubs, places can stay open later. It would change then, I think, the live music scene a lot. Um, I think generally it would be a positive thing, yeah. Um, and Ellie, uh, just maybe, uh, do you actually see it changing? Uh, like Joseph Madigan, the culture minister, was saying that she's uh, for the idea of uh, longer opening hours, do you think that's great to say, but like, can you actually see it coming in? Yeah, I think it will eventually. But I I mean, I have to say, personally, I'd be pretty radical on that one and I'd be in favour of just dispensing with the things entirely and just allowing people to make their own decisions about what they do. I'd be pretty you know, personally pretty, pretty full on with that, that I, like, I just, we're being treated like teenagers, like, and, and that, it actually, it's you quite start, a... You start acting like one. Yeah, it, it becomes a disgusting <laughs> scenario where people are lining up pints at the bar, oh. and then falling out the door, and actually what you get is a very intense period of the night where people are out with all that drink in them and fighting, and it's perceived as being cheap to police, because they only need yeah. to put beat cops on the street for a couple of hours, you know, so they know, and that's one of the reasons for keeping those laws in place, but... Ultimately, I would prefer it if everyone could just decide what the hell they wanted to do and when, you know? So, I mean, uh, it is going to change, definitely, but it's going to change to the benefit of the Vintners Association at the end of the day. 
Because there's always just always ask where the money is. It's always about where the money is, you know. Like, and and the money is where that where that campaign is. Unfortunately, you know, there's an element of that to it as well. That there are lobbyists involved, and you know, so it will change. Well, well, I suppose I think I think uh, the closing time here in Trabalgan this weekend is it's half three tonight anyway. So let's see how much. Are you sure? Uh, Yeah, no, it is. Is it half three? Excuse me, sorry. Yeah, it is half three. It was five o'clock (laughs) tonight. Don't tell anyone that. But, so let's That's see. not oh, and true. We'll all go back to yours after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, let, let's see how much trouble there is at 4 a.m. around the back there. But uh, even, sorry, I want to cut across you, but you can just see here, I know it's a festival and it's a different vibe and you're letting loose, but the fact that it's like 4 o'clock, people are like, oh, grand, and everyone's so chilled out. There's no rushing and firing. Well, some people are firing drinking, so, but, you know, it's a much more relaxed thing. You're like, oh, I've got until 4 o'clock in the morning and you're going to pace yourself if you want to stay out till four, and not two, and you're just like, oh shit. They're kind of simple uh, ideas to make um, artists kind of feel happier at the end of the day, artists and like the spaces themselves, like uh, more artist spaces in the city centre, whether or not we're going to get that, I don't think, I don't, I don't know where they put them really, because any spaces are just being made into student accommodation at the moment, um, longer opening hours and one or two other things, and then you know we wouldn't be talking about issues facing Cork, well, in the arts anyway, at the moment. They seem like easy enough things to fix, Ali. Um, can we talk about what we want to see? Yeah, yeah. You please. know, because what I what I want to see. And if I was queen of the world, right? Which is not going to happen in my queen lifetime. Queen of Cork. Let's queen of Cork. <laughs> yes! Um, <laughs> kind of see it, though. Uh, one of the things I would want to see is, you know, there's a, there's a core uh, of a kind of Docklands buildings there, um, you know, the old Odlums building, and, and down around that area, right? And that's where I would like to see this, that space devoted to artists, right? Uh, John Adams, the artist in Cove, has been campaigning for a while now and collected a lot of, uh, he's done a petition, campaigning not to have the Port of Cork buildings, which are really beautiful, incredibly beautiful buildings, you know, built by prisoners from Spike Island, really historic buildings. He's been campaigning not to have that turned into a tower block hotel, but to actually keep it and have it as a maritime museum for Cork City. And I just think that if you build into it, yeah, it's a beautiful idea. Oh, it's a brilliant it? idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you could arrive by river, so you could go down as far Rather as Black Rock and come back up. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and keep that whole area. And that's going to be the new heartland of the extended boundary. And I think that if you had a real vision right now, that would be where you'd be letting the artists run wild and take over all those buildings and put something in place for generations to come. Like really just generations just leave them to off. come. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they'll be <laughs> grand. We know they'll be grand because they are amazing. You know, creative thinking is, is the cornerstone of any good development. Leave them off. They can take, take charge of it. Uh, what about you guys? Any any thoughts on what you'd like to see happening in Cork in the next little while culturally? I, I, I would like to like the hook and the powers of bee and the kind of the whole the, the, to think about the architecture, think closely what they're building all around the city because everything is being built to those glass boxes. They're grand, you know. They work fine, but like in twenty years' time, you're just going to be going around. Oh God, another glass box. You know. Now I know it's economically viable. That's the reason they do it and all that. But surely we can come up with something more. And obviously, we, we all know we need proper housing affordable housing built again. I grew up in a, in a council estate in Crumlin, like a house built by, the, by Dublin City Council, perfectly fine, three-bedroomed house, you know, cost us very little to rent and like had a great community. We need, we need our city to do that again and build all those things. Mm-hmm.